This is Short-Term Rental Management, the show that is all about short-term rental property management with your host, yours truly, Luke Carl. Showtime! Showtime! Cashflow Carl, the reverend of real estate, the shaman of short-term, the man with too many nicknames, it's Short-Term Rental Management. Fantastic show today. Uh, I've got my buddy Dale from the UK. He has a property management company, does nothing but short terms, and they currently have over 900 units. He also has a property under management that was built in 1310. Unbelievable. That is a long time ago. Great conversation about process, procedure, systems, scaling, etc. And uh, wonderful to have Dale on to on the program today. And we will introduce him after a word from this week's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Short-Term Rental Listing Advice. Join this Facebook group and post your listing to get advice from other hosts, including myself, on how you can improve your listing. Or just post your property so you can show off. Join us at strlistingadvice.com. That's strlistingadvice.com. Here we are. Here we go. Short-term rental management. And uh, happy to be here with uh, Dale Smith. Dale is uh, is a rock star. 900 units. Uh, you've, you've got the unit count uh, record for short-term rental management. So <laughs> congratulations there. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, where you are and, and what we do. Cool. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. So, uh, so we're based over in, in the United Kingdom. Um, so as you mentioned, just, just over 900 vacation rental management properties um, under management at the moment, grown pretty quickly. So our host and stay brand was founded in uh, December 2018. So we've, we had nine properties at that point in time, nine vacation rentals. Uh, so we've scaled from nine to 900 in the last four and a half years. Uh, our ambition is to keep on growing that. So we want to get to 5,000 properties by the end of 2020, uh, end of 2025. Um, so we've, we've got still a long way to go. Um, but say we're growing rapidly from an organic point of view. Acquisition is kind of high on our agenda as well. Um, and you know, we are end to end management. So everything from booking generation, marketing, 24 seven guest communications. We've got our own in-house maintenance team, in-house housekeeping team. Uh, we employ just over 350 people in the business at the moment. So, you know, we are management in the true sense of management. 350. Yep. Yeah. Employees. Okay. Geographic location, like uh, square miles. Are you use kilometers? How, how many, how big of an area are we dealing with? So, so we, we essentially mainly cover the north of, north of England. So if you take Scottish border, um, so from kind of south of Edinburgh, down to the middle of England, so sort of Birmingham area. So you've probably got 200 miles north to south in terms of what we cover, and then about 200 miles as well east to west across the country. So we're in places like Newcastle, North Yorkshire, Leeds, Liverpool, um, Birmingham. So they're some of the kind of the you know the, the bigger cities that you, you might have heard of ultimately. So uh, we still got still still plenty of geographic location for us to to grow into ultimately. So let's say you're doing a, a, a hiring a new cleaner or a team of cleaners, I guess it would probably be, uh, and they're 200 miles away. 
Um, you are hiring them in-house and it's really no different than if they were right next door or how does that, uh, how's that facilitated? Yeah. So, so in the business, we have two people full-time. All they do is recruit housekeepers. So daily basis, running job adverts, LinkedIn posts, Facebook posts, job sites, indeed, etc. Looking for, for housekeepers and advertise for housekeepers. They'll be onto the phone. So housekeepers booking in then face-to-face interviews, trial claims. So we have a, a pretty regimented process that we're consistently going through on housekeeper recruitment. So, and again, based on our current numbers, we need to recruit 10 new housekeepers per week is the numbers that we have to hit to keep up with our, our growth trajectory and hit our, our seasonal numbers as well. Um, ultimately then when a housekeeper comes onto our platform, we've got certain training protocols we'll go through. We have a pretty systemized process of what that training and onboarding looks like through on the ground training, online training regimes they'll go through. Uh, and then ultimately once they're ready to take on a changeover, uh, as we would call them, um, we use Breeze away as our, our kind of task management solution to really then manage and monitor um, you know, the organization of those changeovers to do the, the check-in afterwards. So every time a housekeeper completes a changeover, that generates a report that they must complete once that changeover is completed. Our system will kind of scan that report and we'll verify it. We then also trigger out an email to the owner of that property that lets them know their property is being cleaned and it gives them a, a nice PDF report they can access online that shows them the outcome of it as well. I'm sorry, the software, I think I missed that. Is it in it? You have your own software or are you using no, Resort so, Clean? Uh, Breezeway, it's called. Breezeway. Okay. Breezeway, yeah. Okay. That's fascinating that Breezeway can uh, facilitate such a large organization. That's wonderful. How many cleaners are quitting a week? So we'll turn about 15 or 20% of our cleaning staff on a perpetual basis. So it'll ebb and flow. We'd expect to see a few more drop off in the summer when it's higher pressure, higher volume. We'll retain a bit more through the winter, but across a year around 15 to 20% is, is the percentage we'll, we'll lose. Some of that's quite cyclical. I think, you know, by the nature of, you know, the people you've got within those roles, some of them are just moving to other jobs of a similar level of pay. And actually some of those people we'll see come back to us in 18 months, 24 months time. They're kind of going through a cycle of working for different similar type businesses. Um, and then some people ultimately, if if they're not hitting the standards, then um, you know we'd be exiting people out of the business if they're if they're not hitting what our our high expectations are in terms of you know cleanliness and, and following process ultimately. What's the process to find out if they're hitting? I mean, with so many properties and so many employees, how do you even know if they're hitting the uh, the, the you know checking all the boxes? So we, so we would always just monitor basically the guest the guest cleaning scores that we're getting back, guest mm-hmm. review scores. So you know we aim for. Uh, we're aiming for nine out of 10 on our guest, guest cleanliness rating. And you think we're completing probably around four to four and a half thousand changeovers on a monthly basis. So nine out of 10 for us on that volume is a, is a pretty high standard. I think if you look, actually, we were, we were with booking.com recently. And for the size of our business in terms of number of listings, we have the best cleaning score on booking.com in the UK in terms of on volume, which I think comes back down to that really that regimented process around its systems and process on, on being able to deliver that. And ultimately, if we've got a, a member of the housekeeping team that isn't delivering on that score, you know, we have a, a three-step process to manage that. So, you know, if they if we get a poor review, that go, they go through retraining. If they get a poor re- review again, they'll go through kind of a, 
a more disciplinary type process. If, if they get a third strike on a peer review, then that's when we would look at look at um, you know exiting them from the business because they're not hitting that standard. So that's why that consistency of recruitment is actually key because if someone isn't to standard, I speak to lots of property management businesses where they feel like they kind of have to stick with the housekeepers they've got because they're difficult to come by and difficult to, to get hold of. But if they're not hitting the standard, then it's going to reflect poorly on obviously brand and reviews, which then impacts bookings and revenue generation and, and all sorts of different stuff for me. For me, really, the, the housekeeping is, you know, the single biggest and, and most important part of the business to get right. Let's back this whole thing up. How did how did this all start? Did you own a couple of your own houses and had success with it and then just started bringing other people on or how did it work? Yeah, so our, our background is actually in in kind of um, standard residential letting. So the type of stuff I think, you know, you guys in, in North America would call a uh, single family. Um, uh, we long-term, then, long-term uh, rental. Uh, yes, long-term rental. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Long-term okay. rental. So then in 2017, uh, we bought a property that we turned into a vacation rental, just purely off location, right by the beach, sea views, great property. So we thought, right, let's have a go at vacation rental and, and ultimately see if we get better returns from it, right? So we were always looking as property investors, where could we get better returns? Um, and when we were doing that, we were looking for a vacation rental management company that we would use to manage that property. and we. We couldn't find one in the north of England that we felt offered value. Uh, my background's in sales and marketing with the mix of operations. So we started doing it ourselves. So we you know, got the professional photography done, threw it up on Airbnb, booking.com, started to generate bookings. So we kind of evolved into the management of our own property and then felt like there was a gap in the market for that, which then has led us down the the track of a you know full more full blown management solution, which we we essentially felt was was missing as a um, a service in in the, the kind of local area initially that we serviced, but ultimately now we're a missing link in the UK market. Really, is what we're now uh, aiming for. Okay, and um, so I mean it's it's fascinating. So uh, you talk platforms briefly. Um, are you yeah. using Airbnb, Verbo? Is it mostly your own website? Do you have percentages or just something off the top of your head? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So top five for us. So Airbnb, booking.com, uh, Verbo, TripAdvisor, and Expedia. We use Marriott. Um, we use Plum Guide. So, you know, we, we use every channel we possibly can for the extra, you know, couple of percent that we can gain. In terms of breakdowns, we're heavily booking.com market and where we operate in the United Kingdom. Um, so we're around 50 to 55% of bookings coming through booking.com. Um, we're then around 20% coming through Airbnb, about 20% direct. And then the rest is made up kind of, you know, ones and 2% from, from the other channels, really. Those, uh, the, the three key for us is Airbnb and booking.com and then direct. And we, we obviously want to grow that direct contribution. So for us being at 20% direct bookings today, we want to grow that to 50% over the next few years. We feel like 50% is the kind of right balance. If we're bringing 50% of our traffic in through the OTAs and the channels, and then trying to retain those guests through a good CRM and marketing journey, and then driving 50% um, of bookings via our own host and stay platform, which a lot of that is coming through repeat bookings, but obviously driving through paid social, um, paid search advertising, you know, bigger brand bill stuff that we do in the UK as well, because we're we're a heavily domestic market. So over ninety percent of our guests are actually UK UK travellers staying within the UK. We've not got a massive overseas um, 
uh, you know, traveller contingent coming into coming into us. So it's very much a domestic market. Yeah, 900 properties for a long-term rental management company, at least here in the United States, is really not that huge. I've I've got I've dealt with several on my own properties that were you know up in the 1500 range pretty yeah. easily. Um, but the the thing about this is it's they're spread out, you know. So that is it's it's not like they're all right next door to each other. So let's talk about these locations. Are there uh, is it a mixture of vacation towns and, and metro areas and, and you know, neighborhoods? Uh, and, and how does that all work? Yeah, so we properties, uh, so we, you know, we're across the short term rental vacation rental stuff, we've got uh, kind of key locations. So North Yorkshire as an area is our, our key key area. So of our 900, about 500 are in that area. So they're still relatively spread out. You know, you would still have 50, 60, 90 miles between properties. So from a logistics point of view, it's not the easiest, but we're significantly more condensed than, you know, I guess you would deal with possibly in the, in the North American market. Um, but yeah, we'd have key locations where we've got heavy concentration of properties, and then you might have long drive times between those clusters. So how we try to structure it is we would always have a like a what we call a housekeeping warehouse where we'd operate housekeeping and maintenance operations from. And then essentially we would cover a 60 mile uh, radius around those. So if you take what we do in the north of England, we have six of those locations that then cover 60 miles um, from each of them. So that enables us to to have that geographic spread to be able to service the properties from a housekeeping and maintenance. Obviously, from a guest relations and owner relations point of view, it doesn't matter, you know, where the properties are for us to be able to handle bookings, generate bookings, handle uh, guest guest um, reviews and guest messaging and guest phone calls. We can do that. We can do that at scale from anywhere, really. So it's the on the ground services that we need to be to be cute with from a geographic point of view. Yeah. Um, and what, I guess what I'm getting at is, is from a regulation standpoint, uh, does that exist or? Are the are the a lot of these in areas where every house in the neighborhood is also a vacation home and you're just competing with other property managers, or are you in areas where somebody lives next door and they're really annoyed that somebody's got a keg and their a beer in their yeah. front yard? <laughs> yeah, bit bit of a mix to be honest. So some of the locations will be heavily tourist and that's what people are used to. But then you've got some which are a real blend between residential properties and, and tourist properties. So that's where you as you as you point out that you would throw up some more of the potential issues with with uh, with local residents. Um, but most of the areas we operate in will be reliant on tourism to a certain degree. So if you take my hometown of Saltburn, we've got about 110 properties within Saltburn, which is a pretty small town. But it, and has a big mix of residential and tourism, but also the town knows that it is reliant on that tourism in, in providing jobs and providing revenue to local businesses. So there's a real blend between the two. If you took tourism away from Saltburn, you wouldn't be left with an awful lot in terms of you know jobs and, and revenue coming into that kind of market area. So it's trying to get that right balance between you know tourism playing a part and driving that local economy and not annoying the, the local residents too much that you know you're you're, you're kind of uh, a wanted man if you know what i mean is there an element of that i mean are you dealing with police and uh and tickets or something like that or i, I... no not not really because we we have we operate 
one urban market, which is Liverpool. So that's our only really city centre market where you've got more of that stuff going on in terms of dealing with with parties and noise violations and drinking and that type of stuff. Most of our other areas are very coastal and rural. So the type of clientele and guest clientele that you've got coming through are relatively peaceful from that point of view. We don't deal with a whole host of parties, guest damage, noise violations. We're, we're pretty cool from that point of view. It's not too bad. You know, if we were operating more areas like Liverpool, if we were operating exclusively in kind of London city centre, Manchester, um, you know, Leeds, kind of these these bigger tier one cities, then you're going to be dealing with with more of those type of uh, issues. Whereas where we are coastal, rural, you know, our average demographic, you know, our average booker is typically like female mid forties is our our average lead booker. So we're 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 pretty cool from that point of view. Um. How are you sourcing new properties, uh, new clients? Uh, you know, just advertising, or how do how do you get these uh, these new clients? Yeah, so we do um, a real mix. So we do a lot of digital advertising. So a lot of advertising through Google Paid Search, Bing Paid Search. You know, targeting essentially holiday home management, vacation rental management in specific areas. Uh, paid social, so Facebook ads, LinkedIn ads, Instagram ads. Again, targeting certain demographics in certain regions. Um, and then to be fair, we do quite a lot of what I would call above the line marketing. So we're trying to build our brand uh, in the UK. We are currently the seventh biggest operator uh, in the UK. You've got three operators who are the biggest, who are kind of 15,000 to 20, 25,000 units. And they've effectively consolidated the market over the last five years. So we're number seven at the moment. Our ambition is to get up to that number four slot by the end of 2025 at the 5,000 unit mark. Um, so we're investing a lot in brand from that point of view. So we do a lot of um, kind of football or soccer sports sponsorships in certain areas, which is obviously, you know, soccer in the UK, as you can imagine, is the the kind of most viewed sport. So we do a lot to, to raise our brand profile and awareness from that point of view. Um, you know, we've got we've got pretty healthy marketing budgets. We will spend just over 1.2 million this year on on marketing to drive you know, homeowner acquisition, but also drive, um, you know, brand and, and guest bookings as well. And for us, that kind of plays into our two and three year plan on continuing the expansion that we've been on. Wait a minute. You, you, you're just so nonchalant about the 1.2 million marketing budget. Where, where, where did that you know number come from? And it's just so matter of fact, this is what we, <laughs> you, you sat down at the beginning of the year, this is how much we have and that's it. And then. Yeah. So, so for this year that, that is, yeah effectively planned into the budget so we spent just under a million last year so it's increasing as we grow but a lot of that is playing into what our long-term numbers are in terms of you know we, we should be around 1200 1300 units by the end of this year with what's in the pipeline between now and the end of the year and a couple of acquisitions you know we need to grow that to um sort of two and a half thousand by the end of next year which then up to our five thousand number by the end of 2025 so you know, that comes at a cost of investment in, in marketing and raising that brand profile. So that 1.2 million we'll spend this year is factored into our two and three year run rate on, on what that growth looks like, you know, and, and it fits within our business plan of, of what we're willing to make from an EBITDA point of view this year. And ultimately, you know, there's, there's a bit of sacrifice in that and saying, you know, I could essentially take probably three quarters of a million out of that marketing budget and not see the impact directly this year, but I would see the impact next year in terms of not being able to keep up with that that constant growth. You know, we've grown at 
from a revenue point of view, we've we've two to two point five x our revenue every year for the last three years. So it's trying to keep keep that same pace going, which comes with heavy investment ultimately. It's fascinating. You're really good at this. Okay, so let me ask you. You know, this really wouldn't work in America. I don't think we only really have Evolve and and Vacasa in the United States. Yeah. Uh, and we have a couple other ones. Uh, and it, it's just, I think it's because of geographic location, but I just don't see a property manager being able to have 5,000 doors and be successful unless they're doing this big nationwide model like Evolve, which yeah. Evolve doesn't even deal with guests, you know? So yeah. how are you making that work? Is it because the UK is just uh, geographically a different animal or? Yeah, I think geographically it's much simpler in the UK. Like, look, we the UK is as big as what California ultimately. Yeah. So, uh, so if you if we, if we took California and and said right, we want to we want to monopolize that California market and and really drive that, then logistically you've got a chance of doing that. I think the on the ground team and the operations is where I believe the kind of point of difference is. So I think you know we see so much in the vacation rental management space of talking about technology and scaling through technology. Obviously, AI is a big thing now. But fundamentally, in terms of getting the business right and being able to grow it and control quality, it comes down to that, that those on the ground people and being able to manage that geographically. If we just said, okay, we're going to go, you know, if we take Cornwall as an example, which is right in the bottom left opposite corner of the UK to where we're based, if we just said, okay, we're going to go start and operate in that area, that would be a really difficult thing to do from a management point of view. It's like, us being based in Lake Tahoe and trying to manage something in San Diego, just geographically, it, it doesn't work. So for us to continue growing, we've got to map that correctly from a geographic point of view, which plays back into our those 60 mile radiuses for us. So we're, if you take a map of the UK, we're systematically working our way down the country, plotting out those areas so that we can take over an area, grow into that area, then jump into the next area. So again, using California as an example, we're effectively in somewhere like Lake Tahoe, our base at the moment, and we're working our way down to Sacramento, you know, down the North Cal coast, and then and then systematically working our way down, but building those on the ground teams underneath us as we go. Because in the UK, and I don't know whether the US is a bit different, in the UK, all of our competitors, any that have got scale, all just want to outsource the operations. They want to work with third-party housekeeping companies, third-party maintenance companies, and all of a sudden they're giving control on quality and process and everything else away to third parties, which ultimately for me is where a lot of the value is in the business, right? The, you know, our property owners want to know which housekeeper it is that's going, they want to know we've got that under control. So to that starts and stops with us. And, and actually, if you look at it from a brand reputation point of view, when a guest checks into a property, their only real touch point with us as a brand and is how clean and well presented that property is. If we get that wrong, then their perception of our brand is that our brand is a poor brand because the property isn't isn't right. If we give that to third parties at scale, then we're effectively passing our brand over to third parties that we've got no control of, which is why we believe it should be in-house ultimately. These six, uh, these six competitors that are right now a little higher than you, uh, they're also short-term only? Yeah, yeah, all short term only as well. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at the UK market, so there's only really us, us, and the other six above us. So 900 units upwards. The other two or three players that are a bit bigger than us are around 1,200 and 1,500 units. And you've got this massive void to like 15,000 units now because of consolidation over the last five years. 
as you go down over, you've got loads of players that are around sort of, excuse me, 50 to 100 units is the typical management size that you would find in the UK market. 50 to 100 units under management, all short-term, all short-term rental. Are you, uh, you know, are you- is there, are you getting clients because you're approaching them saying, hey, if you've got a house you rent out, we can make more money by putting it on booking.com than you could if you put a lease on it? Yeah, totally. We would do that, definitely. Um, we would, oh, we've also got owners coming to us because you know, short-term rental, again, last five years has grown in popularity and people want to explore the option of short-term rental to see if it does make them more money. And also, unfortunately, in the UK, we're seeing lots of regulation on long-term rental that is making landlords and property owners you know effectively want to get out of that space it's becoming almost too onerous and for um for a lot of landlords the kind of the payoff for how much owners on 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 them now it doesn't make sense to be in the long-term rental game anymore unfortunately because i don't agree that 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 should be right i think uh, from a government point of view we've got that wrong in the uk at the moment and it needs addressing so you've got a lot of people who would be in long-term rental, might have been long-term rental for the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and they're moving to short-term rental because it effectively gives them more control of, of their property and their assets. This episode is brought to you by the premier short-term rental Facebook group, Short-Term Rental Long-Term Wealth. We have nearly 50,000 members. This is the biggest independently owned and operated SCR Facebook group. It has been curated by yours truly, Cashflow Car. Join us on Facebook. Search the groups for short-term rental, long-term wealth. That's short-term rental, long-term wealth on Facebook. So what are a lot of your units like? Are they um, small houses that are inexpensive or do you have $5,000 night houses or everything? Everything really. So we, we only do four and five stars. So we're typically upper quartile in terms of property quality. Uh, but we've got everything from studio apartments through to, you know, 14 bedroom houses that would be, as you say, three, $5,000 pounds, euros a night, ultimately. So a real, real spectrum. So from essentially from a hundred dollars a night to $5,000 a night, our portfolio would cover that. And again, we want diversification uh, across those, but as long as it's still quality products. So, you know, it's got to be, if it's a studio apartment, it's still got to be, a, you know, an upper quartile, top 25% of the market studio apartment. Fascinating. Fascinating. Uh, how many do you own? Uh, we own 25 at the moment ourselves. What are those, what are those, uh, built, you know, look like? A uh, bit of a mix again, to be honest, because again, I'm a believer of, of trying to diversify from that point of view. So we've got everything from studios to one bedroom, two bedroom apartments to three bedroom houses. I think our biggest at the moment is a seven bedroom uh, house actually that was built in the 1300s, if you can believe that. So pretty old. Um, so yeah, that's our, that's our, our largest that we own ourselves at the moment. But again, tell me about, hold on. Tell me about that. I have a, I have some older properties as well. Well, old for here. I have a, I have a house <laughs> built in the 1840s. I have an nice. apartment building built in 1911. Um, and, uh, and they are, uh, they're a lot of work, uh, yeah, in, totally. in a good way, you know, and in my, my yeah. old house, my house, my, uh, it's actually two houses on the same property. Uh, and it's not a rental, but, uh, mid, mid 18, uh, mid, uh, like I said, 1840s, 
um, uh, it's getting new bathrooms right now, you know? So, okay. you know, when you rip the bathroom out, when you rip the shower out, you're just kind of like, Oh crap. You know, what's it going to look like under there? Yeah, am totally. I going to, am I really opening a can of worms or is it going to be, you know, so 1300s, uh, stops. Yeah. Let's, let's hold on. Let's, let's talk about that for a minute. That's extremely fascinating. Tell me, tell me how yeah. that works. Yeah. So, I mean, that, well, that property has had a lot added to it over the years, but the core, the core house is, is yeah, from the, from 1310, I think the exact date was, um, and it's had some additions to it over the years, um, came into our portfolio, the beginning, sorry, the, uh, midway through last year. So we did probably about four months of renovation to the, to it, to get it back up to standard, um, to then let out. It's quite nice. It's got a lot of ground, it's got a swimming pool as well. So it's got some, it's got some really nice features, but it's got a lot of history that that goes with it as well. Um, and actually, there's we've got that one plus one other older one, and um, I can't remember what the date is on the other older one. It'd be probably sixteen, seventeen hundreds, and that one actually, when you go up into the loft space, you've got all of the original walls that are built out of literally built out of kind of clay and straw. So if you can imagine, that wasn't even originally built out of uh, kind of brick, which is pretty amazing. So when you go up into the loft area, which we lock off so guests can't get up there, but you can see all the original structure, which is, is the first time I've seen that. It's really fascinating. So most of the original stuff has been like built inside of, and it's a different it's different structure now? Yeah, it's a bit of a mix. You've still got some of the original, like some of the original brickwork on, on that one is, is still in existence, but it's been added to over the years. So you've got probably... I would say about 50% of the building is still, is still that original structure. It's been re-roofed at a certain point in time. Um, it has a, it had a tower that was added to it in about the 1600s, which has had different things. It had a church in that aspect of it. Then it turned, was turned into a school. Um, and then now, now it's actually two floors within that little addition. One's a bedroom and one's like a, a family room. Um, so it's got some little, little nuances. It's got kind of the circular, circular staircase that goes up to the the parapet roof where it has the flag on it and things so again like a bit of a kind of castle feature so yeah pretty pretty unique um pretty unique in the general marketplace but obviously in the uk we've we've still got quite a lot of uh properties that probably fit into that bracket that's awesome fascinating if those walls could talk yeah absolutely oh man i love it so why do we why five thousand? i mean what it seems like you're probably doing really well in life. Uh, why, why go through the headache of, of, of 5Xing the property or the business at this point? Yeah. Um, I guess we want to get up to, we want to get up to that fourth position in the, in the UK marketplace in, in terms of size and, and kind of get a bit closer to the bigger players in the market. But I think our, our real drive is, is actually doing it a little bit differently. We see ourselves different to the current main players in the market in the sense that, you know, kind of the, it's that management piece, right? We, we believe the rest of the UK marketplace right now is not essentially managing the properties and providing the management service. They're essentially generating bookings, a little bit of guest relations, and then outsourcing that kind of management piece. So we feel there's quite a big gap in the UK marketplace for a true property manager that is delivering a service to property owners end to end. Um, and ultimately we want to, we want to grow that out because we believe that's the right model. And it may be that, you know, that model is transferable overseas. We're looking at two overseas locations at the moment, uh, one in Europe, one in the Middle East. Um, because again, we do believe our model can, can transfer overseas. Um, so we'll play around with that a little bit over the coming sort of 18 to 24 months. 
Um, and ultimately, we again, we think there's gaps in that management piece and also the user journey as well. So, you know, you touched on earlier about how we're perceived, let's say, at local level with residents. So we're just about to launch our host and state app. And one big part of what will come with that host and stay app is something we're calling a stay local card. So we're working with independent retailers, so, so family-owned, independently operated coffee shops, restaurants, retailers in the, the kind of towns and cities where we operate our short-term rentals. And we want to drive footfall into those local independents, but to be able to offer incentives to guests to be able to do that. So you know, if you, you you stay with host and stay, you get access to a stay local card and that might give you 10% off in the Italian restaurant in Saltburn. It might give you free coffee on a Wednesday in uh, the cafe that's down the road from your vacation rental. So we're really trying to to be the glue between the inbound tourism and the local independence to make sure that that tourism is having a positive impact on those local economies. Because again, we see too much of you know, what we would kind of call like... Um, kind of carbon high streets, you know, what we don't like seeing in the UK, which is you walk down the high street and you see, you know, a Starbucks and a McDonald's and a Burger King and a Taco Bell. Like we want the local independents to flourish in the areas that we're working with because they're the ones that are really truly driving, um, you know, money back into those local economies. So again, we've got a real passion for um, for delivering that. And that that's also part of why we want to build that volume up to that 5,000 number is doing some of these things on the way to that. Whereas if we said, okay, we're stopping at the thousand, we could implement some of that, but it's going to limit what impact we can actually have uh, on the overall marketplace, really. What's a, what's a multiple of EBITDA for a property management company in uh, the UK? So all the data we've looked at, most of them, it varies by profit, by, by portfolio size, right? So the, the, the bigger the, the portfolio, the more market share have got, the higher the multiple of EBITDA. The transactions that we've looked at in recent years are between sort of 10 and 15 times EBITDA. Wow. Um, but again, that varies by, by portfolio size. And again, we would also view it on, you know, you would look at an EBITDA range, but we'd also look at an enterprise value for contract. So, you know, for every property you've got under contract, what that value is worth um, as well. And we would look at both of them ultimately. Uh, and would you, uh, I guess the end goal would be to sell, but, uh, does the time need to be right? Do, are you looking to build it to five to sell? Is that the goal or what, what is the goal? Um, not really. We've not got a definitive, a definitive timeline on, on exit. So we're a family business and, you know, there will inevitably over the coming years, probably be exit points for, um, for the family in some regard in terms of, um, in terms of my mom, my dad, my sister, et cetera. I think for me is the longer term vision of seeing this kind of build over the years to come out you know i see myself still building this business in some shape or form probably beyond beyond the three-year three-year goal especially if we start to to go overseas as well oh you're gonna go nationwide you're gonna go worldwide yeah hopefully at some point in time at some point oh wow well i would not want anything to do with that my friend let's talk about the day to day <laughs> Uh, this is a big organization, 350 uh, employees. What is your role day to day? Because right now you've got, uh, while we've been on this call, you've had, you know, uh, 14 items a break in the homes, right? So yeah. you're not dealing with that, right? But what does your day to day look like? So I'm overseeing them. So my role is CEO. So I'm overseeing the business from that point of view. I've still arguably got too many uh, direct reports. So 
that's an evolution for me in the business. We we brought in a number of um, additional senior team members onto the board the early part of this year. So we're kind of on our journey on that evolution of bringing other senior people into the business to 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 essentially make sure we can continue on that growth journey. But for me, very much overseeing from a strategic point of view, I'll still heavily get involved on on process and systemization. That that's kind of one of my key focus areas at the moment. So I'm. You know, I'll be looking with each of our heads of department and saying, right, if we're going to go from a thousand to five thousand properties, any processes or systems we're putting into the business today or looking at putting into the business or developing, they've got to sustain that growth, right? I don't want a solution that goes into the business today that only lasts for the next six months. That's no good. It's got to be a solution that that can take us from a thousand properties to five thousand properties. So a lot of my time is invested at the moment. I'm making sure those processes are going into the business and that they are sustainable and can take us on that on that journey. And I think um, for me, that's one kind of one of the biggest things because ultimately that is building, continuing to build the foundations that enables us to cope with that growth. If we don't get that right, then at a certain point in time, you know, we're going to get to X number of properties and fall over because those processes aren't right. Or we need to keep putting more and more people into the business to keep that growth. And again, all that does is, is dwindle margins as you get bigger and rather than increasing margins as you get bigger. Fantastic. This you're, you're, you're making my job too easy over here, man. Uh, let's talk about your wife. Wife is involved in the organization. Uh, what is her role and, and how does that work? So my wife, uh, so she is head of, head of onboarding and marketing. So she effectively from the marketing that attracts new property owners into us, attracts new guests into us, and then the onboarding of those properties to the point that they hit the host and stay website, push off to booking.com, Airbnb. She oversees all of that. And she is uh, she's a brand fleet, right? So she's the first person to tell me if a property, if she sees a property that's in our system that's coming on that isn't on brand standard, like she'll be on me straight away and say, why is this property? coming on board she, it's, uh, you know those ones that you're like oh, it might not quite be in that top 25 percent, but we could do with that one to get to our our objective for the month i'll be saying okay yeah let's squeeze it through she'd be like no it's not going on board it's not on brand so so she's fantastic from that point of view and uh, and to be fair we we work very well together as well so i talked to lots of people in business who are you know, got varying relationships across family and spouses and what have you but um but we work pretty well together to be honest yeah, it is difficult. I mean, I'm, you know, my wife and I are, are in this thing together as well. And, uh, I, you know, I'm just curious how you handle that dynamic. Uh, do you, uh, have, is there any like a system in place, a morning meeting or a weekly meeting where you kind of separate um, church and state? <laughs> uh, yeah, we, so we actually, so we, we do, uh, we do, a we do a monthly meeting specifically on, obviously we talk every day, right. And on the evening and whatever, like work doesn't, doesn't stop in our house, but, uh, we have a, we have a specific monthly meeting where we'll we'll go through the same agenda points and, and track objectives, et cetera. So we do know at least we've got that set time where we can go through the specific things that that we need to from that point of view. But outside of that, it you know, it, it's fairly ad hoc on a daily basis and, and on an evening, you know, once the kids are in bed, we've got we've got two little girls, one one two-year-old and, and one four-year-old. So once the kids are in bed, inevitably, you know, work crops up and we'll- Oh, it we'll, does. It creeps back um, in. Oh, yeah, okay. It does. Yeah, it does. We're, you know, back to, we're still, you know, we live and breathe the business at this point in time, and but we both enjoy it. So, you know, it's good from that From that, I got to imagine that causes a little bit of tension here and there, but I understand. Oh, okay. I understand why you're doing it. 
you're you're uh, you're immersed. You're you're you know you're killing yourself. I would imagine to try and build this thing to be the best that it can be. And so uh, yeah. for that for that, I definitely applaud you. There, you know, you gotta gotta bust your ass. And <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Now you mentioned. Uh, I, I want to backtrack just a little bit um, with the short terms and and the the kind of the pain point there with long term rentals. Um, do you have any uh, interest in folks wanting to stay a little? What is your average nightly stay, and do you do anything with a lease at all? So we do. Our average length of stay is three point three nights at the moment. That's that's our, our our exact average. We've seen that creep up post COVID. So pre COVID, we would have been under three nights per stay. So that has definitely uh, increased. We don't do because our market is heavily tourism. Uh, we don't do an awful lot of longer lease stuff. We will do it. So we will do longer guest days. So if we have, you know, a little bit of corporate travel, we might have a, a 10, a 14, a 30 day stay, something like that. But we don't do an awful lot of that. We, as another part of our business, so our host and stay business is the biggest business within our group of businesses, but we actually have multiple brands in our, our overall organization. Um, and we do have similar to kind of what you were saying, I think yourself, it was that we do have a, a real estate agency arm and we do some long-term rental stuff uh, as well. So if we were if we were getting something that was a pure long-term rental, that would get passed over to one of our sister companies that would deal with that. And we have a couple of hundred properties under that business that just purely do long-term rental, you know, true leases, six-month, 12-month leases, et cetera. But we don't, we, don't, we don't do an awful lot in of that in the horse and stay business. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's a completely different animal. And then you got to deal with lawyers and evictions and what well, at least you do here yeah. anyway. I don't know how it yeah, works. There. Yeah. yeah, exactly the same. Yeah, 100% totally different beast, totally different beast. So we sit that as a, a completely separate business unit. It's got a completely different team. Um, but yeah, so we, we play around with that because essentially that was our that was our starting point. That was our background. That was our bread and butter ultimately, you know, several years ago. And then we've developed more on the short-term rental side of it just because it's, you know, in my eyes anyway, a little bit more exciting than the long-term rental stuff. Way sexier. Absolutely way sexier. Okay, Breezeway, let's talk tech here. Uh, we got Breezeway going on. What else? Management software, uh, pricing software, et cetera. Yep, so we've got Guesty is our property management system. Guesty Pro. Uh, Guesty Pro, yep. Pro. So we, we've been using Guesty since late 2018. So say we had eight or nine properties when we switched on Guesty. So um, so they've grown with us. And How does that work? Do they know who you are? Do you have a, a hotline? Yeah, we've got a pretty good relationship with Guesty. Okay. Yeah, we've got a pretty good relationship with Guesty. So, um, you know, we've been through a few contract negotiations and, and everything else with Guesty. But, you know, we, we still do believe they're the best in the marketplace from a PMS point of view. And to be quite honest, you know, we're at a size now that us, Changing PMS is a pretty big deal in terms yes. of it's more than just cost saving. There's so many different factors to it. Um, you know, their roadmap is very exciting of what they they've got in the future. And we, you know, we've got capability in house to build our own tech. We have a small te a small tech team. So, you know, Guessy is our property management system. But if we need certain little solutions, then we'll build those solutions. You know, on top of Guessy. Uh, ourselves so we we have got that capability as well but in the main we'll we'll use third-party solutions that are good at, at what they're doing and then we'll use our own tech to uh, to kind of pull those together so you know a little bit like we were talking earlier we have an integration 
between uh, so Gesty and Breezeway has a standard integration that comes like an off-the-shelf integration between those two products, right? But we have created our own integration that we take data from Gesty, we do we do some manipulation stuff with that, and then we push that back into Breezeway. So we'll always have kind of our own third-party connections into the different systems that we have where we're doing our own little things. So as we talked about with Breezeway, where we send an email to every owner after a changeover has been completed with a with a button on there that allows them to click through to see their completion report. You know, that's not off the shelf. We, we've kind of bespoke that little process, but it's using the Guesty API and the Breezeway API to do that. So if you look at our tech stack, we've got Breezeway on operations. We've got Guesty as property management system um, where we were using uh, beyond pricing. We're just in the process of moving to wheelhouse for dynamic pricing. Uh, again, we were looking for a few different features, which Beyond didn't have and never and, and hasn't built out. That they're on their roadmap, they're still not there. So we we've made made a choice to to switch pricing provider. We use a system called Fixed Flow for all of our maintenance and, and compliance and, and document logging for things like you know gas safety, fire risk assessment, electrical certificates, all of that type of stuff we store within Fixed Flow. So. We've got probably off the top of my head, probably about 10 to 12 different systems we use within our within our ecosystem. Um, but then we have a central data repository which sits at the center and we draw all of the data from each of those systems down into our own database. So we've got as close as we can as a, of a single, single data center of, of a view of what's going on ultimately. And everything that we want to do going forward will be we'll be building it up on that on that model. What we don't want to have is a database in Guesty that we have to maintain and a database in Breezeway, you know, ultimately if we change something in our central database that has to update in Guesty, update in Breezeway, update in Fixflow, et cetera. So getting that system architecture right is kind of the one of the big things on our tech roadmap at the moment. Is that your favorite part of the business? Uh, yeah, I like technology. And, you know, I love the business. All, I love the business as a whole. I, I like the technology side because if you haven't got it by now, I'm quite into kind of process and problem solving. That that's what I enjoy doing. Um, so the technology bit fascinates me. So back to that point we we're talking about processes. I like to look and say to my guys, right, you you talk me through a process for you at the moment that is really manual, and then right, how do we convert that into a tech process so that it no longer needs to be manual? So all of a sudden, that person that was spending two hours a day on that all of a sudden we've saved that time and we can refocus that two hours a day into another part of the business that's going to, you know, move us forward ultimately. And that's where I really like the challenge of joining the technology with the, the operational problem and, and solving that with a good process and, and technology supporting and, and kind of, you know, pushing that process forward, I suppose. Okay. Breezeway, Guessy Pro, what else? How are we pricing these things? Uh, so we, we were using Beyond Pricing. We're now using Wheelhouse. Oh, Wheelhouse. Okay. Yep. Yep. Are you, uh, who's, who is there, do you have a, a VP of pricing or something like that? So, yeah, so we have, uh, we have what we would call a commercial manager. So I've got a commercial director who oversees, um, acquisitions plus, plus, uh, you know, margin retention, property pricing. Ultimately he's got a commercial manager underneath him. And then he's got two, what we would call pricing managers who, who, you know, will manipulate pricing on a daily basis. So you, You've got a team, you've got a dedicated team of three people that all they're doing every day is looking at pricing, occupancy, length of stay, 
campaign analysis, et cetera. So, so yeah, three dedicated people in that role, plus a, a commercial director that they report into who's overseeing that, that strategy essentially. And Wheelhouse is working for you. It's very uncommon in the U S everybody uses price labs here. Yeah. So we've, um, we've looked at each So we, we were with beyond pricing. We were look, we were going to move to price labs and then we, we, we looked at the wheelhouse products. Um, we really like what they've developed that, that fits into some of the gaps that we feel we had missing when we were using price lab, when we were using beyond pricing. And there was a few other elements that they offered you a better deal. No, do you know what? All three of those suppliers were pretty much pretty much the same in terms of what they give us on a price per property basis. Okay. I think I think we're kind of based on our volume, we're kind of as as low as we can go across suppliers in terms of what's viable until until again that portfolio grows grows a little bit more. So all three providers are pretty much the same on pricing. For us it was just purely down to does it give us the functionality we believe we need to to move us forward? And the difference for us, right? You know, an extra an extra two or three percent occupancy in a month for us now, you know, is a pretty big number. Like, you know, two or three percent occupancy for us across. Uh, you know, we'll do what we're going to do this month. We're going to do probably four million pounds in bookings in in August. So a one percent gain on that is a is a pretty big number now. So anything that can give us that incremental gain, we're looking for. What do you do for money management? Uh, how do you keep track of the Stessa or something like that? Or do you, how many bookkeepers do you have? So we have in-house, I mean, our finance team is off the top of my head. We're probably a team of eight people in finance. So from CFO to group financial controller, management accountants, admin. Um, so yes, we've got a decent sized team from that point of view, but we, we do have we're, our business, our wider business is, I think we're about 18 different legal entities because uh, across the business as a whole, we, we have an interior design department. Uh, we've got a legal department. We have a, a construction uh, arm to what we do as well. So, so for our owners, we provide lots of different services that again, none of our competitors do. So if you think uh, if someone has just bought a property and they want to turn it into a vacation rental, we have, we have an arm dedicated to the legal side of, of taking that through with a purchase. We've got a team dedicated to the interior design of that to make sure the property is designed to the best it can be to generate the most amount of, of revenue. We've got the construction arm, which will refurbish the property to that design specification. So, you know, across that wider group, we've got lots of different services. So essentially a, a property owner can say to us, right, here's the property. Tell me how I'm going to maximize my return on it. We'll facilitate that all the way through in each of those different areas. Okay, wonderful. All right, so uh, Breezeway, Guessy Pro, Wheelhouse, anything else? Uh, quick, um, QuickBooks for the bookkeeping or? Uh, uh, we don't, we use Sage for housekeeping, uh, Sage for bookkeeping. Sage, S-A-G-E. Yeah, Sage, yeah, Sage. Okay, uh, what else? Uh, what else we got? We use FixFlow for maintenance, maintenance and compliance tracking. Never heard of it, Fix? FixFlow, F-I-X hyphen F-L-O. Oh, fix flow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, briefly describe that to me. What does it do? Uh, so fix flow. So that would that that effectively is where we log all of the jobs. So so let's say guest uh, guest reports some some damage in the property, and one of our maintenance guys needs to go out, or a guest is reporting a leak in the property. 
that would get logged in the fixed flow system. Our our maintenance technician would get that alert, go out to the job, log the photographs. We would invoice the job back out to the owner through that system. So that does that does all of our maintenance, our on the ground maintenance management, scheduling, etc. Okay. You know, same as Guesty has a bit of that functionality. Breezeway has a bit of it, but fixed flow is a is a true a true maintenance system if you like so we use that specifically because again we're, we're pretty detailed in those different departments Any what else have we got so um we use we use a system called superhog for all of our guest screening mm-hmm. um so again superhog i think is relatively well well known in the u.s um what else have we got in that that tech stack i think that's the kind of that's the core ones i would have said we probably have a few others that that I can't think off on the top of my head, but that's that pretty much our core tech stack, I would have thought. Okay, great. Super hog. What are you using for that specifically? You're just a background check type of thing? Uh, exactly. Yeah, part? damage waiver. So Thank background you. check on the background check on the guest and facilitation of a damage waiver. So you know, damage waiver sales are a big, a big, big part of our business ultimately to make sure guests are covered. Okay, wonderful. All right, great. Let's uh Let's talk um, horror stories. Uh, what do you have for me? What's, what's the worst thing that's ever happened? Oh, what's the worst one that's ever happened? I mean, I mean, horror stories from an operational point of view. I've had, I've had plenty where I've been, I've been at a wedding and uh, the housekeeping team have missed a clean and had to go down to the property in my in my tux and get on ah, hands and knees okay. and all get right. it clean. So I've had plenty of that back in the day. You know, seeing it all in terms of you know, kind of trashed houses after parties and. And all that type of stuff. I'm trying to think what the what the worst one would would be. I think, yeah, probably probably a bigger property after a party and and just being left in a in a pretty bad state are some of the the worst ones to deal with, really. Okay, uh, no uh, fires or anything like that. One one fire that I had to attend. So fire, I had a guest a guest put an electric kettle on a gas hob. On a what? On a gas hob. So like a, a gas hob burner. Oh. So, so they thought it was a, for whatever reason, I think they have a, like, a, I don't know whether you guys have in the US, like a, a gas fired kettle so that you would boil water on and you put it on a gas stove to heat the water. So this kettle was a plug-in kettle, like where you press the, oh. press the button and it, and it boils through electricity. They took the electric kettle and put it on a gas hob. So obviously it just, it just, it just went up in flame. It was plastic. Yeah. It was plastic. So, and that property was about a two minute, two minutes around the corner from where I live. So I ran down there myself and got there just before the fire brigade arrived. So that's the one, the one fire touch wood that we've had to date. And I was, uh, I was not too far away. Thank, thankfully. So, so yeah, only, only one fire so far. Okay, great, great. All right. Well, what else do we need to know on the way out? Um, uh, did we miss anything? Uh, fascinating conversation. No, I think, yeah. I think we've covered, we've, we've covered quite a few areas there. I think, haven't we? Okay. What about a, a book suggestion on the way out the door? Are you a reader? I am a, a reader, podcast, so uh, book, book suggestions, uh, Winning by Tim Grover and Relentless by Tim Grover. They're two of my favorites. I think, I think Tim Grover's fantastic. So anyone that doesn't know Tim Grover, he was, he was coach to Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. He's had some other athletes as well. So, you know, he, he's pretty awesome. And um, podcasts, I do like uh, Andy Frazella. Is my is my go-to from a podcast point of view. I'm uh, a big fan of Andy Frazella. Say that how it is and straight to the point. I like a lot of that stuff. So yeah. okay, wonderful. Yes, I've read Relentless. I have not read uh, Winning. So Winning, I'll, yeah. 
Okay, wonderful. I'll check that out. Well, listen, man, it was wonderful to meet you and a uh, wonderful conversation. Well, thank you for having, thanks for, thanks for coming. Uh, yeah, no, and, thank you for having me. It's been brilliant. Yeah, my pleasure, my pleasure. So uh, on behalf of Short-Term Rental Management, Dale Smith uh, and uh, Cashflow Carl saying, don't overthink it.